Sports Ethos New York Nick Podcast. Andre Gallagher had a exciting, exciting little weekend. Actually, it was just it was just Friday that was exciting. The, the rest the rest wasn't that wasn't that exciting. Knicks got blasted by the Clippers. I'm not I'm not even stressing. I'm not stressing in any way that Clipper game. That was a schedule loss. You knew. Coming in, they were probably not going to win that game. You were hoping to be pleasantly surprised where you were in Phoenix. And um, they walk in there, they keep up for a little while, but then you see uh, they got 30 free throws in that first half, and I think the Clippers, something like that. And, you know, the Knicks don't give up that many free throws in the whole game. So you can – that's why I hate the broadcast sometimes when it comes to free throw disparity and fouling. It's like when you start seeing a lot of fouls called – Oh, the Knicks are using their hands and you know they're they're fouling instead of moving their feet and they're putting them on the line instead of playing defense. You know, sometimes the referees are just calling fouls. Sometimes they're just calling fouls. You understand that? Sometimes it's the players are not playing any differently than they normally play. They do the same thing all the time, sometimes, and they're just getting called for fouls today. <laughs> because now you're telling me the whole team is fouling. Everybody, maybe they're tired. Sure, you can point, you can make up an excuse and say they're tired or whatever. Listen to me. I see that many free throw attempts. Somebody's calling, blowing the whistle a little bit too much. Period. Period. And I understand the Clippers are hard to guard, but whatever. I'm not going to get into that whole thing. What you don't like when you when you know that there's a schedule lost loss coming. Because to me, that's the second half of a back to back. That's a schedule loss. When you know there's a schedule loss coming. What you don't want to do is get too bogged down on how the sausage is made. You knew the loss is coming. Don't get yourself all twisted up because you didn't like the way they lost. Now, you can still extract some value out of the game and some some critiques. For example, we continue to see the Knicks defense struggle and we continue to see teams take full advantage of how the Knicks are playing defense. I've seen... I've seen doofuses, people who make doofus posts, make the comment that people are starting to figure Tibbs' defense out. And that's something I told you. I told you this a long time ago. Not everybody can cash in, but teams are starting to figure that defense out. And it's it's going back a few years now. It's just the – and this is Tibbs' issue. He won't make a change as long as execution is not there. If you're not executing properly, he's not making a change. Right? That's his thing. So if the Knicks aren't executing perfectly, you're not going to see him adjust the defense. Because he's going to be like, run it right, and then we'll see what we have. And to me, there's some there's some, there's in the, there's something in the middle there. It's not fully run it right, or, you know, we can't, we don't know if it's not working. It's not fully that. It's just not. You can tell sometimes when it's not working, even when your execution isn't perfect. And if you watch the breakdown of that next defense, it's just drop coverage every time. It's just, you can't do it every time. You can, I'm not saying you can never do it. I'm saying... You can't do it every time. You have to mix those defenses up and throw people's timings off. Teams are playing with excellent timing and rhythm 
because they know every shot they're going to get. And that's what's driving me crazy. That's what's driving me crazy. And Knicks are having a hard time. You always hear Tibbs talking about make them feel you. You always hear coaches talk about that defensively. They got to feel you. And the reason why they say that is you want to be able to push people off their spots. So, and of course, it's harder to do that now than it used to be. But when a guy's coming around the screen, you want to be able to push him off the spot so that he doesn't hit that screen perfectly and you don't get hit on that screen perfectly. So that way... You can slow him down coming off that screen, which messes up the timing of the play, right? But the Knicks, you're not seeing the Knicks do that. They're getting they're getting bogged down on those screens. They, they're, they're constantly trailing. And then you're seeing mistakes defensively. Now, Hartenstein and is not as good as Mitch on in drop coverage. It took Mitch years to figure out the nuances of drop coverage. Some of you, some of you just don't remember. Because Mitch has been good for a couple of years now. He's, he was really good this year. It took Mitch years to figure out the nuances of drop coverage. But you know who knows it? Taj Gibson. You know who doesn't know it? Jericho Sims. And I told you that. I told you that. There, I think I saw the stat. Jericho Sims is like a minus 28 right now. And I don't want to pick on the kid at all. But I want you to understand something. There are a few narratives about Tibbs that floating around that kind of they kind of convolute the the Tibbs criticisms that are actually legitimate. He's not good with young players. He IQ has been playing since he was a rookie. Grimes has been playing since he was a rookie. He came in playing Mitchell Robinson. He's been itching to play uh, Miles McBride. But if you if you know anything, if you watching the games and you have uh, three quarters of a brain, you can see why Miles McBride doesn't bluff. Now, some of you uh, talk about the rotation. The nine-man rotation came because IQ was suffering in it, uh, and and that's why they changed it. IQ had a harder time getting in rhythm in the minutes he was getting in the rotation substitution pattern he was playing under. I know you guys hate Tibbs' rotations. I'll get back to that in a second. The way he remedied that was to uh, make the rotation nine players. And the players that he wanted to roll with, the players he wanted to put his job on the line with, because that was what we talked about last uh, show where they changed the rotation. They, they benched Cam Reddish. They, ben- they benched Fournier. Had some Cam Reddish stats, too, how Cam Reddish's, the Knicks were a plus like three and a half when Cam Reddish sat down offensively. They were a plus three and a half. When he was on the floor, it was a minus 1.6. Y'all, y'all, y'all just be talking. I don't know what you're talking about. Y'all just be talking. Yeah, Cam Reddish was here. He was playing. He was starting. And the Knicks were losing. Were not playing well. And they were playing worse when he was on the floor. So he got benched. The same thing with Fournier. Y'all don't get it. The same thing with Toppin. There was a, a post from Bleacher Report, a writer on Bleacher Report, Last week, that pretty much broke down why Obi Toppin doesn't play. Or, or, or I shouldn't say doesn't play because he does play. Why he doesn't play the fourth quarter and why the Pacers are a bad offensive or defensive team. He's terrible defensively. Terrible. Let me read the post or the excerpt from the article. His total ineffectiveness as a defender is one of the main reasons Indiana ranked 28th in points allowed per 100 possessions. He's the only Pacer starter with a negative on-court net rating, and all the damage is happening on the defensive end. 
Two second rounders is a dirt cheap price for a starter, but Toppin isn't helping Indy's bottom line enough to rate as more than a break-even acquisition. Man, I done told you that. But y'all don't listen because y'all highlight watchers. And the same thing with Cam Reddish. You know Cam Reddish is shooting like 30% from three. Last I checked, that was last week. Y'all saying Cam Reddish should have kept Cam Reddish, but Cam Reddish can't shoot. And then if you were here, you'd been talking about how he can't shoot. You complained about Grimes can't shoot, and he's shooting 37, 36, 37%. All year. It's still early, so when they have a bad shooting game, those percentages drop a little bit. Because Obi Toppin was shooting 30% up until like three weeks ago. And that shot all the way up to 37%. Kudos to him. So it's still early, and these guys take a lot of shots. Those things go up and down. But Cam Reddish, he's not giving them anything offensively, and you guys keep moving the needle on Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is a defender now. Like That's that's why he shouldn't have left the Knicks, because he was going to be an excellent defender. Because I thought it was because he was going to be an all-star, and he's so talented as an offensive player. What happened to that? Not move the needle. Move the goalpost. That's the point. That's That's the same. Screwing it up. But the Knicks play young players. They played them. If they don't play right, they don't play well, he don't play them. Now, in Tibbs' second season, when he was playing Alec Burks over IQ, that was shaky. There's no question. Because IQ wasn't playing well, so he had an excuse. And Burks was, for the most part. But that was shaky. You had to ride him out. Because you saw at the end of that season, the IQ kind of busted out when he was able to play. Because the veterans were starting to sit because the season was over. That, That was a mistake. And you guys see a mistake like that, and then you don't let a guy, you don't look at the the larger perspective. You see one thing, and you use that. Just like you guys, when somebody has one good game, you try to make it seem like, you know, nothing they did before matters because that one good game. You've been saying this guy is amazing, and then he had three terrible weeks, and he has one game. Ah, see? RJ shut y'all up. Like, no, RJ didn't shut nobody up. RJ been terrible. <laughs> I'm not talking about right. Now. I'm just saying, using an example. You know, if a guy was bad for three weeks, he was bad for three weeks. Like what? You can't undo it in one <laughs> one day. Stop it. It's silly. But you guys will because you're looking to be right. You're you're looking for again confirmation bias. You want to see one little instance that you were that you might be right, and you use that, and you want to. You want to uh, overshadow all the other evidence to the contrary. There was so much evidence that Obi Toppin wasn't having the season that you guys were making it, making it out to be. So much. And I got to be honest, I've seen less Obi Toppin posts since that Bleacher Report article than before. So I don't know if it's catching on or what. <laughs> okay? It needs to be updated. Every few weeks. And it's not the shade Obi Toppin. It's number one, and I don't like how that article was worded. It says uh, uh, two second round draft picks is dirt cheap for a starter. The fact that he's starting is irrelevant. I don't know why you guys keep making that a thing. I'm talking about in general. If you go around the league, there are a lot of people who are in and out of the starting lineup at certain positions. Just the fact that he's starting, does not. it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter that he's starting. It matters how he's producing. Right, that Grimes is a starter, and he's not playing, or was a starter. And he wasn't playing well. So in in a day, in one day, he became a bench player. Like it, it's 
if if the starting position is interchangeable with other players, if other players are more effective or just as effective in that position as you are, then let's not let's not make points and use the fact that you're starting as something that's relevant. So again, folks who who want things their way, sometimes it's intellectual dishonesty and sometimes it's just like ignorance and stupidity, right? People want things their way and if it's not their way, they think you're you're wrong, you're dumb, whatever, blah blah blah, right? And I'm I'm not quite like I call people stupid all the time. I'm no problem doing it, but <laughs> it's not because I want it my way. I don't agree with everything Tibbs does, but I can see the logic in it a lot of times. And when I don't, I criticize. All right. And when someone says that he doesn't play young players and I look at the Knicks roster and I see that IQ plays, I see. I mean, first of all, the Knicks roster is young, so it's like a silly thing. But I see IQ plays, I see uh, Grimes plays, I see uh, Mitchell playing, you know, all these guys who you don't think are young anymore (laughs) because they've been on the team a few years, they're still young. But you want Jericho Sims to play because he's the young, he's youngest, right? Or you want Miles McBride to play because he hasn't played. Like, it's always the grass is green on the other side. It's always like the backup quarterback is the best thing. (laughs) Jericho Sims is playing. He's starting. He got he got put into the starting lineup. Something I don't necessarily disagree with. I mean, agree with, but I understand why because you want to keep Hartenstein on the second unit, which you know functions very well, right? And because the starting unit has plenty of offensive threats, you don't necessarily need Hartenstein's uh, offensive contributions in that starting lineup, and you're hoping that Jericho's defensive contributions would be would suffice, and that's where you're wrong. That's where he does it. Because I told you, Jericho Sims is a good perimeter defender. He's a good isolation defender. He might even be a, a decent against like average to below average uh, paint scorers, a decent post defender. But he is a terrible paint defender. He's terrible in the drop coverage, He's terrible at protecting the rim. He has terrible shot blocking timing. He he falls for every fake. Okay. He has even his rebounding. He has terrible rebounding timing. I have a lot of faith in Jericho Sims to get better. I don't necessarily, some of these things I'm talking about, I don't know if you get better at it, but I saw Jericho Sims his rookie year, not be able to make a free throw. And now he, I saw him in one year have a free throw stroke superior to people who were where he was when he was shooting free throws uh, and one year later. Guys have been struggling to shoot free throws for five, six years, still can't shoot a free throw. In one year, he improved it. He's a decent ball handler. Jericho Sims, if he could shoot, is a power forward in his league and a good one. He's a guy that would he doesn't have, he hasn't shown to have the Grant Williams basketball IQ, but he's a guy that's similar to Grant Williams and bigger, whose physical defender can guard the perimeter and guard and can guard bigger players. But he doesn't have the the defensive IQ that Grant Williams does. And he doesn't have the shot that Grant Williams does. But I think he could probably develop that shot. I think that there is something there with Jericho Sims that's worth efforting towards. Right now, he don't have it, though. And Knicks are trying to win right now. So when you guys talk about play the young players, my question to you is, are you trying to win? Or are you going to be the first person complaining when the Knicks are losing? They're five, game five games behind 500 by the time they come home from this trip. Not literally five games. You understand what I'm saying? They start losing. 
Are you going to be that person that starts complaining about the losing and complaining, I want to fire the coach and blah, 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 because he's playing players they shouldn't be playing. Because you were calling for young players to play and Jericho Sims is playing and he's hurting the team. Minus 28 at least right now. So because I didn't go out on a limb saying Jericho Sims has to play, Jericho Sims has to play, because I didn't go out on a limb doing that. Because I didn't say, oh, the Knicks are too small. You got to put Jericho Simpson back up power forward. Because I ain't going on, go out on a limb doing that. You know, the sky is falling all the time. All right? Because you didn't get what you wanted. I don't have a problem telling you, as much as I like Jericho Sims, he can't play right now. He can't play the position that he's playing right now. He's not good at it. I'm not saying he's never going to be good at it, but he's not good at it now. And I'm not saying if you make that change, the Knicks are going to be 100 times better because that's not the only mistake that they're making because Hartenstein is there too. This is not just about Mitchell not being here. You're going to start seeing that narrative, and that's a lot of BS because they started giving up a lot of points before Mitchell got hurt. So stop. This is beyond Mitchell Robinson. This is the, the defensive philosophy, how they're executing it. It's a whole bunch of things. They need to mix it up. I'm not saying they need to put it into it, but they need to mix it up. And the personnel right now is not helping in the form of Jericho Sims. It's not helping. Jericho Sims is a better perimeter defender. You're better off switching on Der- uh, switching on those screens, having Jericho in space against with some of these offensive players, and then having Randall scramble switch uh, to to the center so that the guard isn't stuck on him. And then when teams start to figure out that's what you're doing, then you do drop coverage or then you blitz the pick and roll. Mix it up. Stop getting stuck on one thing. That's a criticism with Tibbs that I, I will definitely have. And if he does not, and he has shown... Uh, more flexibility in the last couple of years than he did the first couple of years. But if, if you don't show flexibility as a coach, I don't mess with you. I don't, I don't care what you do well. You will, you will always come up short when you don't show flexibility. I don't care. You have to be flexible as a coach. I'm not saying you abandon everything right away. A coach like Tibbs, he spends a lot of time in preparation, a lot of time in preparation. If you've ever heard anybody talk about Tibbs, that's what he does. He's a preparation coach. And when you spend a lot of time preparing, when it comes to the game and the team doesn't execute, you get stuck and stubborn on like, I know this should work because I prepared. And that's like, it's, it's like a brick wall in your head. You got to get past it. If, it if, the, if the team is not executing, then you need to do something else that they can't execute. There's a psychological aspect to failure in a basketball game. When things aren't working, it starts to affect other things in, on the floor. For some players more than others, for, ta- for for some teams more than others. But you don't have the margin for error. And the Knicks are scoring a lot of points right now. I can't get over it because it doesn't look great. <laughs> it looks like it looks shaky because they can't keep up with other teams. If it's going to be a scoring contest, they can't keep up because they don't execute like other teams do. But they, they're scoring a lot of points, scoring enough points to win. But this defense, it's got, it's, you've got to change it, and it's going to have to start with Jericho Sims. And I'm not saying if you start Ty Gibson, you're going to look like a fool. you got to start Hartenstein. And if you don't want to break, because it doesn't seem like Jericho Sims is the most confident player in the world. If you don't want to break Jericho Sims, then you, you continue to start him, because he's not killing you necessarily in the first quarter. He's not necessarily killing you in the first quarter. If you go look at it, the Knicks are not down 15 in the first quarter every time. All right. What I think ends up happening is when he comes back in the game, then it's a struggle because teams start to figure him out. (laughs) They don't know him and then they know him. They start to figure the whole team out. They start to figure the entire timing out, the entire scheme out. 
And Jericho Sims just becomes a victim of it because he's not good at what he's doing. His, his timing is terrible at the front of the rim. And then you see situations where when you have a center who doesn't shoot like Zubak or, or, or Tice, like you, you need to help at the rim. It would, they were getting layups because he was standing one foot in the lane with his hand on Zubak, literally standing a step outside the paint and wasn't sliding over to help. This stuck on Zubak. No help at all. No help at all. That grinds my gears. You can't do that. You have to take advantage of the fact that they don't have a shooting center, a perimeter-based center. You have to take advantage of it by being in the front of the rim the entire time, just like teams do to you. And he wasn't there. That's just like, come on, man. You're bugging. What people don't understand is that Taj Gibson can do a lot of the things that the Knicks need in spurts. Right? There are certain matchups where Taj Gibson is not going to be able to match up with the center. Uh, he's going to be too small. There's going to be certain matchups where he's not going to be able to score in the paint. Uh, and and Because uh, he's very effective down there. And he's going to not hit that jump shot. He, he needs to hit that little baseline jump shot. He had the timing perfect. He, he was knocking it down for the Wizards. He's rusty right now. You're going to have to kind of play through that. He's going to need some practices. He's going to need some reps. He can actually hit that jump shot in the corner. Uh, you're not going to get a steady diet on, of it, but he can actually hit that shot. But he doesn't have to hit that shot. He just needs to hit that baseline 10, 15 footer. That's it. If you can hit that, he's good. And he's also good when he gets that ball five to seven feet outside of the paint. And he can put the ball on the floor and he can hit you with a, with a shoulder to your chest and finish around the rim and make his free throws. I'm telling you, Todd Gibson, if he's the same Todd Gibson that was playing for the Wizards, and obviously he's a little bit older, a little bit rusty. If he's the same Taj Gibson that played for the Wizards, Taj Gibson can cure a lot of the Knicks' ills. And I'll I'll say it, I'll say it again. Some of their ills on offense. <laughs> I'll, I'll still stick to it. Right? And but definitely defensively, because he knows where to be. He knows where to be. He knows how to play position defense. Okay? So Jericho Sims, you don't want to break his heart? Okay, cool. Let him start. Let him play five, six minutes, start the game. That's it. You don't play the rest of the game. You're a spot starter. You're a, you're a show starter. That's it. Okay? Let Taj play the end of the quarter. Where the Knicks are struggling at the end of the quarter, let Taj play the end of the quarter. And the fourth quarter, you know Hartenstein's going to be in the game at the end. Hartenstein is trash in that particular game. Defensively, usually that's where he's trashed sometimes. Taj, you don't play Jericho. And, and you know what? The Knicks' inability to hit the lob for Mitchell and Jericho is sickening to me, all right? I'm not going to sit here and jump down Jalen Brunson's throat or anybody after a 50-point game especially, but it is sickening to me. You saw Miles McBride at the end of that Clipper game toss that up with the greatest of ease. Jericho Sims should be a lob threat every single time. The only reason why he's not a lob threat, let's be honest, and I've said this a million times, you've seen IQ throw a few pocket passes the last couple of weeks. I've been talking about pocket passes. He's throwing a couple to, I- to uh, Hardenstein. IQ, Brunson, they're not looking for the lob. Now, in fairness, in fairness, the Clippers defense in the game is not necessarily on the string up to 25, 30 points. All right? In fairness, okay? But that but that threat is there if you're looking for it. You just got to stretch out the screen. You got to stretch it out. You, you're on the screen. You're your ball handler. Instead of coming, trying to come downhill and put your guy in a crab dribble and get your shot off, sometimes you come off that screen and 
and you take it a little bit wider so you get the center to come out of the paint and that lob thread is there. When you're doing that crab dribble every time coming off that screen, then it's going to be a little bit harder to hit. You got to be a, a hardened type passer to get that <laughs> to get that off. And the Knicks just aren't that. Their players just aren't that. And you got to be willing and able to hit that corner to hit that corner man on the pass that cross court weak side corner pass and the Knicks just don't do that so they don't they don't again that's why I talk about the offense a lot man you know listen offense is fine it's fine right now but the, they can't execute to get the easy shots they're just very good at making the tough grinded out plays and that's a that's a testament to the talent that's on the team all right, but the talents on the team can make the game a little easier for themselves if they start hitting that lob threat. And maybe you start to give Jericho a little bit more confidence if you get him an opportunity to flush that flush that ball a few times. I'd be remiss if I didn't discuss Jalen Brunson's masterpiece on Friday against Phoenix. This was a big game for the Knicks. The Knicks were they were back to back to 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 get two losses in this back to back in a state that they're in would be disastrous. Brunson struggled the game before in Utah. He came out and he, it, to me, it's amazing to me how often Brunson in particular, but this team in general, how they respond sometimes to adversity. They did it last year too. If you remember the Utah game last year, Utah last year was playing well at the time and the Knicks were in a tough spot. They they were struggling. They had to get some wins. They went to Utah and they beat Utah and Utah Julius Randle with a big play down the stretch, a few big plays, if you remember that game. And then they went to Denver with no joker and beat Denver in Denver. And that was a huge, was it no joker or no Murray? I don't remember. Either way, it was a huge win in Denver that year, that last season, because they, they needed to win those games in a row, and they responded. So when you see people talk about, oh, the Knicks don't, they don't mess with Tibbs, they don't want, they they quit on him. Like, I saw that two weeks ago. Like, y'all, are just, it's just silly. You don't want Tibbs on the team, so you're just looking for every excuse and reason, like, like Dolan is listening to you. <laughs> you're trying to convince Dolan that the team's not playing for Tibbs. Like, come on, man. Dolan not listening to you. You're trying to convince other fans that Tibbs needs to go and the team quit on him. If you watch basketball, you know this team not quit on him. They did not quit on him. In this game in Phoenix, what Jalen Brunson did, man, I'm telling you, nine for nine from three, that's just pure insanity, man. That's insanity. It's like you're watching it and it's surreal. Like you don't even know what you're looking at. Nine for nine, like every time you take a shot, you expect it. Like to me, just being traumatized as a Nick fan, every time he shoots, I'm praying that it goes in. <laughs> but I don't really expect it to go in. And you see a guy, you got a guy on your team that's going nine for nine from three. Like, what in the world? And Spreewell did it years ago, and I don't re- I don't remember it. I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. 50 points in a big spot. He barely missed a shot all night. Just killed the team. Just killed him. And, and when we start talking about, and we're going to do a little bit of a trade show uh, in, in a minute, but when we start talking about the Knicks needing a superstar, this is what I mean. I think I said it on the last show. They, they need a guy who does certain things, yes. They need a good, very good player. But when you start talking about they need a superstar, 
What's wrong with Jalen Brunson? What part of the superstar criteria is he, what boxes is he not checking? The, the boxes that he's not checking are boxes you can get from a guy who's not a superstar. You guys are calling people superstars that are not as good as, good as Jalen Brunson. You see people say the Knicks need a superstar. Number one, stop criticizing, stop saying the coach should be fired if you think he needs a superstar. Because they're playing over their head if you think they're in desperate need of a superstar. And, and every time it's up on the floor, they don't have the best player. And they're playing over their head. So you can't have both. You got to choose one. Pick a struggle. But people in the same breath of saying the Knicks need a superstar will also say they should trade for Zach Levine. Well, hold on. The Bulls are playing better without Zach Levine. They're playing better. They'll say the Knicks need a superstar. They should get DeMar DeRozan. What, what has DeMar DeRozan ever done? So stop using that term so freely and ignoring that Jalen Brunson's on this team doing doing stuff that those guys are not doing. Jalen Brunson should have made the All-Star team over DeRozan last year because the Bulls were trashed last year too. He shouldn't have made that team. They have a superstar. You want to say they need a second superstar? Okay, because you don't think Julius is a number two. Okay, I just want you to know what Julius has been doing. Julius has been doing insane stuff. Now, we all know where Julian... Julius, not Julian. You all know where Julius, you know, comes up short sometimes. We know. We're not going to pretend like we don't know. We know <laughs> where he comes up short sometimes. All right. So you want to say you need a number two? Okay, cool. They need a number two. But stop saying they need a number one. Do they need a number two who's an interchangeable number one? Uh, that would be tremendous. But stop telling me that they need a superstar. Depending on what it costs to get that superstar, the Knicks are going to be in a need of all of the players that they traded to get that superstar in order to be get to the next level. Because some of these players are coming from teams that are, are where the Knicks are or worse. So if the Knicks trade what makes them a better team to get that player, then they're just going to be right back where that team, that other team was. So let's be very careful who we're calling a superstar. And let's be careful in conversation about who the Knicks should be trading to get these players that maybe aren't superstars. Let's be careful. Because the Knicks are being careful and you don't respect it. They're being careful and you don't respect it. Because they know that what what makes them good, what would make them great, is by putting a player on top of what they have or replacing maybe one player. With a better player. When you start replacing all of those those guys, those too many guys, quote unquote, the Knicks have playing in similar positions. When you start replacing those guys, that's when you start taking the teeth away from this team. You trade two, three guys out of this rotation, depending on who you get. And that's why that's a big question. You, are, you become a weaker team, not a better team. Because Jalen Brunson is capable of scoring down. He's capable of doing superstar stuff. The Knicks don't necessarily need a superstar. And you saw... Some some talk that the Knicks would, uh, I think Wojnarowski, uh, and apparently Woj is like a Leon Rose talking piece, and they said the Knicks can get maybe two superstars, and it's like, okay, man, let's be careful who you trade to get these two superstars. I get it, but I'd much rather have exactly what the Knicks need, and I talked about it before, uh, uh, six seven Norm Powell, <laughs> right? 
and you Nick fans saw what Norm Powell can do uh, just a little bit in this Clipper game. They need a six seven Norm Powell. If they get a six seven Norm Powell without having to give up everything, the Knicks are championship contending team. Sure, they can get a they can get a, a, some you know some bits and pieces here to help out, but they're a championship contending team. They don't need they don't need. Uh, a top five player, a top six player, a top seven player. They don't necessarily need that guy. Can I just create a my player? And can we just do that? Because I, I know exactly what they need, man. But don't forget that the next strength is Dante, Hart, Quickly, Grimes. That's their strength. Obviously, you know, you know what Brunson is. You know what Randall is. RJ, Mitch, you know what they are. But the strength is when they come off the bench and they have those kind of players. Most teams don't have players like that. They might have other strengths, but they don't have three, four guys like that who can. Unfortunately, they're similar in size, but three, four guys like that who make a difference the way those guys make a difference. At Sports Ethos, at Ethos Knicks. (laughs) 